so much for joining us today on episode number 111 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to talk about the concept of focusing on the present because sometimes when we let our mind get ahead of us and focus on what's to come, sometimes that makes the present harder than it actually needs to be. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So we've been talking about this idea with our cross-country team this week because this week we finally enter championship season. Woohoo! Championship season. Yeah. Bring on districts. Yeah, so we've got our district championship tomorrow, well, the, the day that this podcast is released, and um, and then regionals and then the state championships, assuming that we qualify and make it down the road because from here on out, we have to qualify for all of the meets. Yeah, this is uh, this is just kind of keep moving on, race as best as you possibly can, or, or that's... It. Or yeah, what you got. or that's your last race, right? And I think that you know that whole idea kind of triggered us into thinking about, you know, thinking about the future, focusing on the present, that kind of thing. Because there are definitely times where if you get too far ahead of yourself, then things go wrong in the present. Like things don't go the way that they necessarily should go if you get too far ahead. Yeah, you made a, an excellent point. I, I was not even thinking about this, but uh, you know, there used to be a shirt that they sold at all the different like districts and the regional races years ago when the state championship was in Dade City, Florida. Yeah. It was on the road to Dade City. Yeah. And as soon as you hit the district race, suddenly the the whole mindset shifted of you're on the path to state. Don't even worry about the current race. Worry about the race that's two weeks ahead in the future. Yeah. And that gets a little overwhelming. And not only that, but I mean, how many times have you seen it in professional sports or college sports where, you know, the, the team just thinks that this current game is against like an easy team and they're just looking ahead to their rivals next week and then they end up losing the game against the team that they should have easily beaten yeah i mean it happens every year it's one of the glories of we're of, notre dame fans <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the glories of uh, of college football is there's always that week during the season i mean there's there's rivalry week but there's which is hard to say but there's also that week where <laughs> it's hard to say everybody seems to play that team out of their conference that's just not that good and there's always a few upsets in the top 25 during that week because they're looking ahead to the next one right so you have to you have to stay present at that point but there's also the challenge of if you look ahead to so much that's difficult that it actually makes the current situation even more challenging. If you're already in something hard and you think, wow, this is going to last forever, yeah, it makes the current situation almost impossible. Right. And so that's kind of the idea of what we're going to get to today. So we're going to start off by just talking about the amazingness of our brain. Like our mind is an amazing predictor. Like it, it's the job of our brain to take in so much of what's going on around us and filter it, figure out what the heck is going on, and then predict the future. Like our bodies do this too. Like it's the same thing with strength training or speed work or these other things that break the body down. When you break the body down, it builds up stronger because the the brain says, oh, I wasn't strong enough when I was faced with that challenge the first time, so I need to get stronger so that when that challenge comes at me again, I'm ready and prepared to accept it the second time around. Yeah, I mean, it's like a core training principle is overload the body so that it has to build itself back stronger. Right, exactly. So when our brain starts 
thinking about what's going on, right? So given our current physical or mental difficulty, whatever we're going through in our life, our brain kind of gauges, okay, what is my current discomfort level and how much time is remaining? Like how much more time do I have to feel this discomfort? And that's kind of, you know, part of the um, challenge of racing. Right. And that, that second part is the tricky part because, all right, I'm currently in, in some discomfort. I'm currently yeah. in pain. This, this hurts, but the trick is how much longer do I have to do it? Right. Like if it's a marathon and you're in mile one and you're feeling that level of pain, your brain's going to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. But I mean, like if we do workouts that are at like 5k pace, right? If you're doing, <laughs> Which we've a workout, started doing a lot of, right. So you're doing a workout at 5k pace, but you're only doing it for a half a mile or a mile. You're like, Oh, okay. I mean, I know there's been countless numbers of times that I've been in the middle of like a quarter workout or a half mile repeat workout and I'm I'm holding that pace for a half a mile and, and just thinking to myself, how in the world am I going to do this for an entire 5K? And that's, that's the problem is the part of the workout of hitting 5K pace in small segments is getting your, your body used to and your brain used to what that pace feels like. Yeah. But that's what it feels like for a half mile and a break and a half mile and a break. Yeah, and I got that for a half a mile. Right, but when you hit the half mile mark in a race and you're still going and then you hit the mile mark and you're still going right. and your brain starts thinking, wait, how much more of this do I have to do? Yeah. And you start doing the math on it. You're like, I've got another 15 minutes at this pace. Right. And then that's when the danger alarm starts going off. Right. Which, I feel like we should start using like sound effects in our podcast. And make I don't it think like we need really, them. I think you just keep doing them. That really was perfect. Prof- really professional looking. Yes. I mean, sounding. Danger, danger. But it's it's not really exactly a danger sign in my opinion. It's sort of a danger ahead sign. Yeah. It's like a blinking light that somewhere up ahead there's going to be danger. But our brain just hears danger. It doesn't hear danger is coming soon. It just hears danger and can immediately go into panic zone. Right, because the, I mean, there's a lot of people that say, you know, people that talk about brain science and whatnot that say your brain can't actually distinguish now versus the future. Yes, that's like, a good point. So if you, you're saying there's danger coming, you're already experiencing that danger now because your brain can't tell the difference between reality or the current reality and future reality because that's or, that's just the message that you're giving it. Yeah, and then your brain also can't distinguish between what's happening now and remembering things that used to happen to mm-hmm. you. So if you've ever been in a race and let's say it's a 5K, you know that that third mile was super super painful Mm -hmm. so somewhere during the second mile you're thinking to yourself wait that third mile's coming Mm -hmm. and that third mile hurts a lot (laughs) I should start slowing down now so that third mile doesn't hurt that much anymore right and so when we start hearing this danger message in our brain then we start to get this rush of emotions and hormones and the fight or flight response starts to kick in and our brain is like, really? Are you sure you want to do this? Because this is not, this doesn't seem like a good idea. Maybe we should just stop right now or maybe we should just slow down because we don't know if we're going to be able to hold on here for that amount of time. Right. And it, it kind of s- tries to stop you from getting into rational thought mm-hmm. because you can rationally try and figure out whether you're actually going to be able to make it. And, you know, if you're a mathy person, you can literally try and figure out, okay, I've got this much left and this is my fatigue. And But your brain doesn't want you to think that through. Your brain just wants to decide this is this is painful. You've got too much left. You should slow down or you should quit. Yeah, but I mean, that's part of what the fight or flight response is. Because when you have those hormones, like the epinephrine hormone, adrenaline, those don't 
um, work well with higher level thinking. Right. It like shuts down your higher level it thinking. It shuts down your higher level thinking so that you just it, – it's a survival mode basically. You know, if that's what fight or flight is, it's survival mode. So you can't think straight. Like you can't think rationally when you're actually in that fight or flight mode. Right. It's like I said, the uh, – the- the brain, the body is programmed for maximum safety and running as fast as you can is not necessarily a feeling of safety. It's a <laughs> feeling of ouch. Okay. So, and not only ouch, but like, you know, back going back to, you know, evolutionary types of ideas. Like if you're running sometimes, like a lot of times you are running from something. Right. And if you're running from something, you got to make sure that you can hold that pace long enough that you can run away from that thing. From whatever's chasing you. Right. So you better make sure that you're monitoring correctly. So it's like, that shirt, like if you see me running, you better start running too. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a good one. The non-runner um, shirt. Yeah, or uh, you know, I, I've told my kids when we we're talking about different things in in biology class. I'm like, I if if there's like a giant scary bear that comes running through the door because I always teach like flight or flight, like a scary bear runs through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I don't have to run faster than the bear. I just have to run faster than you, who's sitting closer to the door than me. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? Really? You'd throw us in front of the bear? I'm like, yeah, one hundred percent. I, I would have throw two it. kids at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so back into the race, there's lots of things that can trigger this this so-called danger response while you're running along. You can. Uh, get signals from your body that you're running low on fuel, that you're actually damaging your muscles. There's all sorts of different signs of fatigue, different byproducts that build up that, that burning in your muscle, that ache in your muscle, whatever it is. These are signs that you should slow down and your body wants it to stay as safe as possible. And so it will naturally try to slow down. Mm -hmm. The issue is that this is, it's like the low fuel indicator in your car. (laughs) When the low fuel indicator goes on, that doesn't mean that your car is going to immediately stop. That means that sometime soon you should put fuel into it. Yeah, but you're not really sure exactly when. (laughs) Exactly. It's a warning signal and you have to test that signal. Well, maybe not while you're driving because this could ultimately end up with you on the side of the road. That has happened before. Yes. Um, But... When you're running, it's nice to test that signal sometimes to see how far you can push that. When you first get that warning signal, hey, you're running low on fuel, or hey, this is really hurting your muscles, you're going to need to slow down soon, you can tell your muscles, no, I'm not there yet. I'm still going through this, Mm -hmm. just like the low fuel indicator. Because, you know, you get that first signal where it's like low fuel, and then you get the second signal that it's like, no, 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 I'm not kidding, really low fuel? Yeah. And even at that point, your car doesn't stop. Yeah, because there's always something left in the tank and this is one of the things that we tell our cross-country kids too like as soon as you start feeling that discomfort you're not even close to where you could be like you're not even close to the level of pain and discomfort that you could put yourself through like especially at the beginning of the race like because if you're running a 5k correctly it should not feel comfortable pretty much the whole time you know like the first quarter mile maybe you know but then after that like you should really feel uncomfortable like you are really trying to push yourself yeah you're breathing hard from like half mile on yeah you only feel good in the first quarter mile from adrenaline of you you're still in the start i know you know sometimes i when I'm watching the races and I'm watching the guys come through, especially the guys like at the front of the race, when they come through, I usually stand on the one course, um, like at the half mile mark and they are already like drenched in sweat by a half mile. And those top guys are hitting that in like two and a half minutes, you know, and it's, that's just showing you how hard these people are pushing themselves, how, how, 
you know, far into the tank and into the reserves that these guys are already going the first half mile of the race. Right, because they, they've already done it. They've got the experience of, I can hold this because I've got to go for about 16 minutes and I know that I can hold this for 16 minutes. Mm -hmm. You need that experience to be like, look, I can do this. It hurts now, but it's only 16 minutes. Yeah, but you, you need the experience or you at least need the mindset of experimentation. Like, I'm going to see if I can do this for 16 minutes because a lot of times I mean, especially when if you're trying to hit a PR you haven't done that before if you're trying to hit those faster times you have not yet done that so really you don't know if you can like if you've never hit that time before you're really not sure so you have to go into it with that experimental mindset saying okay I've done the workouts I've put in the training I think I can do it let's see what happens and you have to be willing to undergo that level of discomfort that you know it's going to take in order for you to see if that outcome is possible yeah that's that's perfect the uh, is the message you've told to kids on the team over and over and over again of yeah it's still going to hurt. Mm -hmm. You're in better shape than you were a month ago, but that doesn't mean that the race isn't going to hurt. Mm -hmm. That means that if you ran it in the same time as you did a month ago, it might hurt less. Yeah. But it should still hurt as much. The time's just going to be faster. Mm -hmm. That pain is still going to be there. And I think that that's one of the big problems that a lot of the kids on our team have is like being able to let themselves experience that kind of discomfort. Well, yeah, that's the problem that a lot of people have is they're like, well, it it hurt a lot last time and I would just rather not go through that again. Yeah. And so so they don't. And right. so like then then they're done. They're done getting faster yeah. or their training has to be to such a high level that running that same time no longer feels all that discomfort. Mm -hmm. Like they could be substantially faster, but instead they're going to run the same time and just train a whole heck of a lot harder than that so that that same time is not that painful. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm a little confused by what you just said. So why would they train harder if they don't want to experience the discomfort then? That's why they train harder so that they, doesn't make sense so let's say that you've got you said they're trying can, to avoid the discomfort right they're trying to avoid the discomfort of the race okay because the race could possibly you know quote unquote they could fail at the race it's hard to fail when you're doing stuff during practice especially if you if you do a lot of workouts on your own you could do smaller shorter intervals and you could train at a level that you know on paper you could conceivably run like a 24 minute 5k okay but you go out and you race 27 minute 5ks mm. that 27 doesn't hurt that much because Maybe technically you're trained to run a 24 you're trained like based to run 24. on based on the numbers that you're hitting in, in the workouts you could conceivably hit a 24 right like so, it's not a perfect match from workout to race and that's the thing is in the race you've got to then mentally bring it also mm -hmm. to say yes i've done this work in practice but i still have to bring that whole mental focus over the course of the entire race mm -hmm. and some people just they don't want to bring it over the over a whole race so they train harder in practice in order to get faster so that when they run the 27 minutes, it doesn't hurt as much. Yes. So they Do you don't actually think people do that? Totally. So they don't have to go through the... Consciously? Yeah. No. No, I don't think they do it consciously. Okay. I don't think they do it at all consciously. I okay. think that some people can do smaller intervals, shorter periods of time, be like, oh yeah, I can do this for two minutes. I can do this for three minutes yeah. or, you know, quarter mile repeats or whatever it is. But when it comes time to put it together for a whole 5k or, you know, a substantially longer race over the course of like a half a marathon, 
it's that that pace just starts falling off once you start getting into hour, hour and a half. It's like, well, I can't hold this pace anymore. Well, that's when the excuses start to come in, though. Yes. You know, because when you do your training, you don't typically run the race distance at the race pace. That's not typically part of the training. You save that for the actual race. But you do other types of workouts at race pace, like you said, quarter miles, half miles, mile repeats, whatever the workout might be based on the distance of the race that you're training for. And so once you're in that race, you're like, yeah, like I know what that pace feels like, but I've never run it for this long. Like, I could hold that for a mile or for four miles or for five miles, whatever it might be. But that big but Mm -hmm. comes in, right, of all the excuses that we have that we start to actually talk ourselves down and talk talk ourselves away from that and start giving ourselves these built-in excuses. Well, yeah, and and it's all – it's part of this whole prediction thing of – we predict what's going to happen based off of what has happened in the past. So if we don't have a good what has happened in the past, if you've, you know, if you've never run that race before, if you've never run that far that fast, if you're trying to run a PR, you don't have the experience of that. So we are then going to just rationally assume that the way that things went in the past are how they're going to go again this time. So if it starts to hurt, we're going to be like, okay, well, this is where it starts to hurt too much and I can't push through this. Our brain doesn't say, oh, no, no, I'm in different shape than I was two months ago when I ran this race. It's easier to go back to actual events that happened. Well, two months ago when I did this, I was running this pace and it really, really hurt. It's starting to hurt again. And so that's the pain that's going to come. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, that's when the conscious brain needs to start jumping in because our lower level brain will go back to those past experiences or the times when it didn't go as well and start to try to convince us that it's not going as well. It didn't in the past. So what makes you think anything now will be different? And that's when we have to stop and make a choice because you don't have to stop. You don't have to slow down. You could actually speed up or you could just maintain right where you are and still be in that safe zone. It doesn't mean, you know, that just because it hurt in the past when you did this doesn't mean it has to be the same now. And that's when it starts to become that conscious um, personal self-talk that we need to start bringing in to convince ourselves that what we're doing is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a great way to try and flip ourselves because one of the, the big things that our mind likes to assume is as soon as it starts going poorly, that it's just going to continue going poorly. Yeah. You know, it's if you think of negative things, you're going to continue heading in, in negative directions. I've heard this on like multiple podcasts over the last week or so yeah. um, that someone said, you know, in in NASCAR, when you get into an accident, like the, the car gets bumped and you start heading towards the wall. If you look at the wall, you're going to drive into the wall. Mm-hmm. If you look on the road, you're somehow going to manage to find a way to go to it the same thing happens like in, in i heard that today too in trail running i was i was reading something on that one they're like you don't look at the tree to avoid running into the tree branch yeah. you, you find the way that's actually through it yeah you, don't you have look, to find the path right don't look for the obstacles so um you know it, it happens in all sorts of different different aspects so right and that's part of that's uh, along the same lines like your brain our brains oh. will take our belief, whatever that belief is, and try to find evidence to support that belief. So if you feel like 
you can't hit that pace if you feel if you really truly believe like I I don't I'm really not sure if I can hit this pace or if I can hit that time then as soon as things start getting uncomfortable or start going a little in the downward direction you're gonna say oh see look I told you I told you I couldn't do it (laughs) knew I couldn't hold on right instead of instead of allowing yourself to then get in into that downward spiral you could at that point choose to flip it and say like oh okay this isn't going to last for long. Here's a little down thing. Now what can I do to get out of it? Or, you know, you can start talking and figuring out ways to see the opposite side. Right. I mean, there's so many cases of of different races where this has happened where, you know, you've got like the lead pack and there's like five, six people in the lead pack and somebody's fallen off of it. And the announcers almost every time will be like, all right, well, I guess we're down to four. And (laughs) somehow that person shows up again. Like in marathons, I love the long marathons where it's like, wait, how are they back in the league group? Where did they come from? Yeah. It's like, because they had a rough patch and they figured it out and they got through it and they're back in the lead pack. Yeah. Especially when you're watching the marathons like on TV and they cut to a commercial or they cut to something else and you're like, then they cut back and you're like, wait, how'd that happen? Like, where'd everybody go? And you know, like uh, sometimes the TV coverage can be Uh, quite frustrating. Marathons on TV is... they're all, it always seems to happen during the commercial break. Like there's a pack of 20, commercial break, pack of three. Like what? So, yeah. Somebody threw a surge in there what somewhere. What happened? <laughs> or, you know, the pack of three, commercial break, you come back and it's a pack of four. Like where did that guy come from? Mm-hmm. And the answer was that guy had a rough patch and found a way to overcome it, flipped his head and did whatever it was to, to positively say, no, this race is not going bad. This is not a spiral. I don't have to quit. I don't have to. It's not over yeah. because I lost contact. I can come back in. This isn't this isn't the a bad path that's going to last for the entire rest of the race. It's just a bad patch for the next maybe mile. Maybe it's a bad patch until I get to that water station. It's mm-hmm. just a bad patch for the next 30 seconds. Right. Watch how quick I can come back to it. Right. And so this is where it's important for us to then start using some of these positive mental tricks to overcome these types of obstacles that we are bound to face at some point in time in really any given race. It doesn't matter how long the race is. Like even if it's a quarter mile on the track or a half a mile on the track, like there's going to be a point when your body is going to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're going to say, yes, you do. (laughs) You're going to have to figure it out. (laughs) The quarter mile on the track. That's one of my favorite ones to watch, especially like great quarter milers are so much fun to watch, but the, the kids who are not so great, and they're like, uh, coach, I want to be a sprinter. And the coach is like, well, you definitely can't run the hundred at your speed. So they put him into the quarter mm-hmm. somewhere on the second turn. It looks like somebody strapped a piano onto their back Aww. and it's like, like good form, good form, good form. And suddenly just from one step to the next, it's just like, Oh, Oh, what just happened there? Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, we need to have these positive things that we can then start to use when we find ourselves in these rough patches. And these can vary from all sorts of different things. Sometimes people like to have a song that they like to start singing them to themselves. Um, it can be a mantra. You know, mantras are like one sentence um, empowering statements. You know, I am strong or, you know, be better than the pain or there's lots of different personal mantras out there that you can have. Um, You can try to distract yourself by using scenery around you. You can try to focus on your form or your cadence. You can focus on trying to stick with a group of people that you're with in that race or catching the next person in the race. Like there's lots of different things that you can do to try to distract yourself. But ultimately you need to start doing things that are going to tell yourself that you're not going to stay in that negative spot, that you're going to come out of it. And another thing that you can do 
while we're talking about it is building your evidence file. Like I love this um, both for running and for life. Like because how many times in life in general do you talk negatively about yourself to yourself? You know, you you something bad happens and you're like, oh, I'm, I must not be a good mom. I mean, our daughter had like a freaking 45 minute fit tonight that was insane and it's like hard to not say like man I'm I don't think I'm winning at this parenting thing like yeah. I you really you, you start to question yourself and you you start to say like am I really getting this right am I really doing the right thing am I totally screwing this up and so I think it's important for us to have the evidence file of the good stuff because it's very easy for us to remember the negatives for some reason um, and we don't as easily remember the positives so start to write them down you know start to if you want to have like a file in your in your phone, you know, there's like a little notes app, start writing down the things of when it got hard and you got out of it, what did you do? What happened? And like, I mean, think about how powerful that could be for you to then go back and read that, you know, whether it's a thing on your phone or an actual journal, but having this evidence of when times got rough and I did this to get out of it, that's proof that you don't have to go down that downward spiral every time. Yeah, that you can climb out. There is yeah. there is a way out. You've found it before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe it's it signs the way that you've done it. Maybe you can look around you and find signs of way other people can do it. Because sometimes as you're spiraling, it's tough to see. It's tough to see your own way out. But you can look around and it doesn't have to be a downward spiral. Other people were able to come out of it. You've been able to come out of it before. There are certainly times that things have not gone well in your life and you're not currently still in that same trap. Yeah. Like you managed to get out. Maybe it took a little time, but you got out. But you did it. There is a way out. It doesn't just have to be continue slippery downward slope. Right. And so if you have this evidence file, then you can even start to access that in a race. Like, have maybe one or two top ones that really mean a lot to you of of times where you have overcome something really big or something that meant a lot to you. And if you have that and then you get to that point in the race, you can start pulling the energy from that. Like, heck no, like this isn't harder than that. Like I already got through that. This is nothing compared to that. (laughs) Nice. You know? Yeah, the, the comparison is always good. And if, if that doesn't work, then you just go to, you know, 80s hairband rock music and mm-hmm. that also helps too. Or I'm good enough, I'm, <laughs> I'm strong, strong enough, enough. <laughs> and gosh darn it, people like me. Also good too. So our brains like to do these predictions, right? So like, we, like we've already covered, our mind is this amazing predictor and we do tend to predict based on past events and also future guesses, right? So in order to try to be more present and try to get through some of these issues that we're having, we basically need to stop predicting, right? Because when we're in a 5K or a half marathon or a marathon, whatever it might be, and you start to feel that discomfort, say you're at mile five and a half and you're like, oh shoot, like I'm not even halfway done yet. (laughs) And I'm already feeling this way. I need to take a walking break. And do you? Like, do you actually need to take a walking break right then? Or do you feel like I still have 8.1 miles to go and I'm not going to be able to do that without a walking break? So I might as well take it now so that, you know, because I'm going to need one anyway. But do you actually like, you know, and if you stopped trying to predict the future and run the moment that you're in, run the race that you currently are in right then, 
then I bet you could go a little further. And this is something that we started to cover with our kids this week, our cross-country kids. We like to call them our kids too. But, (laughs) you know, can you, like if you're in a race with somebody, could you keep up with that person for four more steps? Yeah, totally. You can keep up with them for four more steps. Four steps? steps? Sure. I got that. Okay. After four steps, can you do four more steps? Yes. Okay. Keep it up then. Like you don't have to think one mile ahead, two miles ahead. What do you, what moment are you in right now and what can you give me right now? And then once that moment's over, what can you give me the next moment? Whatever that might be. I mean, Ryan Hall, his new book is called Run the Mile You're In. Right. And that's kind of one of his big things of, um, you know, when he was in the marathon competing at that high level in the marathon, he wouldn't think about the race as a whole because that became too overwhelming. It's ridiculous. You can't possibly think about the entire race. And it's in races, it's in workouts. You can practice this in workouts. And, you know, we were telling this to the kids right before we put them through a ladder workout, which is, is mentally taxing because it was a 400 then an 800, then the 1200, and then the mile. Mm -hmm. And so the distances kept getting longer and the paces didn't get any harder, but you had to just keep holding that pace for a longer and longer distance. And by the time it got into the mile, um, the group that I was helping to pace was down to a kid. And the entire way through that, he was good through a half mile. And for the last two miles, I kept calling out spots on the track. Like, don't run two laps. Run until you get to that light pole. Mm -hmm. Run until you reach the hurdle. Run until you reach that tree on the outside. And it was step by step by step. He was running about five seconds at a time, over and over and over and over. And yes, he could have come up with those things in his head, but he wasn't. Like, at that point, I'm trying to help teach, how do you overcome this? Mm -hmm. Don't think I've got two laps. It was get to that spot, great. Now get to that spot, good. Now And I just kept calling out new spots to get to. And eventually we made it to the final straightaway. And this is the difference, this is the tricky part of a track, is you can't see the finish line the whole time. But once we get to that final straightaway, I'm like, you can see the finish. Do you need another spot? He goes, bench, tree, finish. And then he just took off on Mm -hmm. me. Like, He had already had it. He had his three markers all the way through and it was going to get him to the finish line. And he surged down the final straightaway. And through like, you know, gasping breath and trying not to throw up, he called out, thank you, coach. Like, I don't, good. Do you try and not throw up over there? But like he was dying and it was because he was able to break that thing into piece by piece by piece that he ran such a strong final mile. Yeah, because what happens, you know, when we predict predictions oftentimes lead to those can't statements like I can't do it it's just too much it's too fast it's too far like we start to justify slowing or stopping before we actually do it way before we actually have to stop yeah like that's what we said at the beginning it's it's the fuel indicator it says oh no no, danger's coming and so we slow down but we don't have to slow down at that point you can keep going Mm -hmm. you know a yellow stoplight does not mean stop some people see yellow and they immediately hit the gas pedal some people see yellow and they just maintain some people hit the brakes on it you can choose what the yellow light means to you Mm -hmm. and it depends on you know a lot of different circumstances sometimes you choose to speed up sometimes you choose to slow down Mm -hmm. you know in the middle of a race what does that yellow light mean to you yeah because when we remove that indefinite nature of the future of whatever it is the race then 
it becomes a lot less overwhelming. Like if you look at the race as a whole or whatever task as a whole, sometimes it can seem very overwhelming. And that's a lot of times where people will just pull back or they'll quit or they'll just decide, I I can't do this. And if you just pull back and come back into the present, come back into just the next couple of steps. Like you don't have to think about five years down the road. You don't have Mm -hmm. to think about five miles down the road. You need to think about the next five steps. You need to think about, like you said, here to that stoplight or here to that pole, whatever it might be. That doesn't seem so bad. Like that can very easily help you get through some of those rough patches. Right. Because once you see the finish line, suddenly you've got that extra burst inside of you. Mm -hmm. You know, you ran that race that didn't actually have a finish line. Yeah. The one where there's just the chasing car from behind you. And the finish line is when the car catches up to you. Mm -hmm. But how many people in that race, when the car got to like 50 feet behind them, suddenly started sprinting? Yeah, totally. Like they had that gear the entire time, but it was only in that sense of urgency of in that sense of, oh, I only have another minute left. Well, and then I'm going to hit this gear. Mm -hmm. Because without the actual finish line in front, they went the safe route and were like, all right, I have no idea how much longer I've got. So I'm just going to live in this sort of safe zone here of, I think I'm running fast enough. Mm -hmm. That was a very interesting race to do. Very weird race. Yeah. So when you take out that overwhelming difficulty, then it allows you to start to experiment more as well. So maybe you practice running with people that are way faster than you and just kind of see like, maybe how, how long can I hold on here? Like, I know I'm not as fast as that person, or at least I don't, I think I'm not as fast as that person, but how long could I stick with that person, you know, before I really feel like, okay, I I can't go any further. Right. It's a, it's a great way of testing it. When you go in knowing that you're not going to keep up, like, okay, well, they're going off on like an eight mile run at a pace that there's no way that I can hang on. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to see what I can do Yeah, with a complete open end of like, whatever I can do is what I've got. There is no failure in the workout. Yeah. This is a pure like, hey, I wonder how long I can keep up with this person. It's a, just a complete experimental mindset. It takes away any any fear when you go into that thing because you can't screw it up. Mm-hmm. You're just curious as you go in there. So you don't have to worry about hanging on forever. You just worry about hanging on right now mm-hmm. and then right now mm-hmm. and right now. And I mean, that's, that's, and that's such a mental workout too. I mean, like, cause when do you actually decide that that's it? I usually once your hamstrings start seizing, but that's just cause <laughs> my hamstrings are my weak spot. It's <laughs> kind of the answer to that for me is, uh, if, when I get that like weird stutter step because my left leg doesn't go quite right. Cause that one, cause my arms aren't perfectly symmetrical. And so my left hamstring always tightens before my right one. And that leg kicks out to the side and it starts cramping up on me. That's the sign that I'm done on the day. So sexy. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, running, I mean, this can directly relate to life, right? Because we've been talking a lot about racing and running and just running the next step or just looking at the next couple steps now. That's directly relatable to the the rest of our life, right? Because when things get tough, we can also want to quit or back off or, you know, pull back and and say, nope, nope, that's that's too much. That's too overwhelming. Like how many times would you have an idea and you're like, you know, it'd be really cool if I did this. And then you're like, oh, I wonder what that would take. And you look, start to look into it and you realize how many steps it would take for you to get there. And you're like, 
Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. I'm definitely not going to take that path. That path right. looks really, really difficult. No, the, I mean, you can do it. It's it's going to be a difficult path. It's a matter of how how interesting that path is to you. Mm-hmm. You know, this in, in running, if you look at it as an experiment, how interested are you in seeing how far you can push? Right. How interested are you in taking that new idea and seeing how successful you can be with it? Mm-hmm. You know, the same paths exist. If things start going poorly, do you think, oh, that's my first mistake. It's all downhill from here. Might as well just quit while I'm ahead. Exactly. I mean, like, that's a cliche for a reason. Yeah, I haven't completely fallen on my face right now. No one knows that I did, I'm did. i a giant failure. I'm just, I'm done. Okay, before it, before it gets out there and other people can see that I'm just, I'm terrible at this thing. Yeah. You know, don't don't take it that direction. Just keep yourself on, on a positive. We think down the road, think too big, and it's like, well, I, I can't possibly sustain this for however long of a period of time. I can't possibly get to the finish line because look how hard I'm working and I just can't keep that up. Yeah. And this gets back to one of the other things that I've been telling the team all season long is you need to start telling yourself a new story because your brain is hardwired to continue to do the same thing over and over again. And so if you don't consciously stop it, it will continue to do the same thing because that is your comfort zone. That is what you know. That is what the brain knows. And there's a lot of very interesting brain science out there that talk about like psychology and why people do things. And they, a lot of people say that people will continue living in discomfort because at least it's what they know. And that is not as scary as the unknown and because they know that discomfort they they are in it they can deal with it they've made strategies to to handle that and if they try something new if they go down a different path they're really not sure what that might lead to and that fear of the unknown is enough to keep them right where they are. Right. So they don't make a decision to do something new. Mm-hmm. They decide to just live with their current discomfort. Right. Because that discomfort can be tolerated. Exactly. <laughs> so they rely on just doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results over and over. And all of those things are reinforcing those beliefs that they had before of it's, you know, it's too hard. It's too much. I can't do it. Like, so by choosing the same actions or I guess not choosing in some circumstances, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's unconscious that you're doing this. Like you're just repeating the same thing over and over again. So you have to break out of that very consciously. Like you have to realize what you're doing and choose to take a different path, choose to start writing a new story. Like What is that story that you want to write about your life? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to be a faster runner? Do you want to run another distance? Do you want to, you know, start a relationship? Whatever it might be, stop telling yourself the cycle, like the the negative cycle that you are currently in and start telling yourself a different story. Start seeing the possibilities. You know, that goes back into your, you know, make the list, make the journal of times that things have been going not necessarily great. It's times that you had adversity and you were able to overcome, you were able to climb out, you were able to have a positive outcome, even though you faced adversity, things can go your way. This has happened before, it's happened to you before, it's happened to other people before, there have been challenges and these challenges have been overcome. Mm -hmm. So 
it, it can be a path of success. It will be a path of success for you. You just have to say, no, this time it's going to be a path of success for me because life is set up for me to succeed. Right. That's the story that I'm going with. I'm the hero of this story and the hero wins in the story. Yeah. You're the hero. You get to win. Mm-hmm. That's your story. Yeah. Because your brain loves habits. Like habits are wonderful things that save energy in our brain like Tons the, of energy. yeah the things that we do that are just on habit like you don't have to think about those things so the brain prefers that because when you have to make decisions over and over and over there is such a thing as dis- decision fatigue like the brain only has so much ability to make those decisions every day so it tries to make as much as possible into these habits that it doesn't have to think about and doesn't have to waste energy for so instead of continuing on with the negative habits start giving your brain new habits to start practicing and make those habits you know persistence perseverance not quitting like what are the new habits that you want to write for yourself Right. If it, you know, back into the racing strategy, if you've been in a few races and you always get to this certain part in the race and you slow down every single time, that's now become a habit. And your brain is now trained to, I've hit this point in the race. Now it's time for me to slow down. You have to consciously give it a new plan right then. You have to say at this spot, here's the story I'm going to use. Here's the strategy I'm going to use. Here's the new habit that's going to be formed because your brain is going to default to what it's done before. Mm -hmm. And if what it's done before is quitting or slowing down or stopping or giving up or whatever it is, it's just going to do that again. You have to consciously say, nope, not today, not going to happen. Yeah. So maybe instead of slowing down at that point where you quote unquote, always slow down, you make that your surge point. You know, maybe you put in like a 10 second surge just to say like, I'm more powerful than this. Not going to happen today. Yeah, which sounds ludicrous, but it actually works. Like if you surge, suddenly you're using different muscles. You've got a whole different mental focus by just with that little 10 second surge and then flow into it and be like, okay, now this is what I've got. I don't feel any more tired right now than I did 20 seconds ago. I can still handle this pace. I'm still cruising at this. Mm -hmm. Look at me go. Yeah, exactly. So ultimately... It all just goes back to being in the present moment, like trying to avoid thinking too far ahead. I mean, we've talked in the past about goal setting and thinking ahead and doing all those things, and all of those things are important. But when you're in the heat of the moment and you are experiencing that discomfort, don't think too far ahead. Focus on what you can do right now to hold on or to improve your current situation. Like what are just the next couple of steps? Right, because your current situation is not too much. It's not too fast. It's not too far. Your current situation just is your current situation, and you can handle this. It's not the struggle of the current moment that overwhelms us. It's regret over something from the past that we can't change. It's apprehension about what may come in the future. So live for the moment, and that moment will become easier. Decisions will become clearer can't statements simply disappear. Your current situation is not too much. Yeah, you got this. And speaking of people who got that, we are excited to announce our next runner of the week. Woohoo, runner of the week. <laughs> I love how you always just chime in with a woohoo. And a drum roll. Yeah. Oh, Lord have mercy. Okay, so our runner of the week this week is Jonathan Irvine. All right. 
<laughs> so Jonathan is originally from Scotland and started running in 2003 when he was living and working in France and kept on running for several years after he returned to the UK. However, he found it harder to fit running in after starting a new job in his area in 2007. In 2017, he joined his local running club, which helped to bring him back into running by helping him with the social aspect and helping him to connect with other runners. When we reached out to Jonathan and let him know that he was our runner of the week this week, he wrote back and he wrote, I love the way the podcast focuses on so many different aspects of running. I particularly like the focus on the psychological aspects of running and as a parent of two young kids, I enjoy the focus on balancing work, family, and running. At the start of 2018, I set myself the aim of running a marathon before turning 40. I ran my first marathon later that year and did my second earlier this month, so I'll have two of them under my belt when I hit 40 next month. I never thought I'd run a marathon, but I'm really glad I gave it a go, not just because I loved running the actual race in Chester, but also because it gave me an excuse to explore new routes where I live in North Wales and also while visiting France and Scotland on work trips and family holidays. So Jonathan is a super active member of our Facebook group, the Real Life Runners Tribe. We love seeing all the pictures that you post on all of your different runs. Like you always have such great scenery in the background. I, I really want to come run with you sometime. I really do too. His pictures are so beautiful oh and gosh. green and not just city streets. <laughs> I know. So some really beautiful areas. And that's one thing that we love about running too is just being able to get out and explore on foot and see amazing things that you might not otherwise get to see. Um, and Jonathan really gets he's really great about sharing all of that with us in the tribe. So Jonathan, thank you so much for being a part of the tribe, a very active member of our tribe, and um, for sharing your running journey with us. It's been so inspirational to see you. Congratulations on your personal best in the Chester Marathon this month. Um, We are so happy for you and appreciate all that you do for our community. Okay, so that's what we've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for joining us today and please stay tuned for the end of this episode for one more minute. We've got some awesome information about the new program that we're, that we are releasing, our Real Life Runners Training Academy. Some more information about that, you can go to rlrtrainingacademy.com. We are going to be opening up enrollment for some founding members in a couple of weeks and we are super excited about it. So go check out the website and stay tuned for a little bit more information here. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 111. Now get out there and run your life. Have you ever found yourself stuck in a seemingly endless cycle of injury, frustrated by lack of progress and searching for answers? How many hours have you spent searching online for answers on how to get faster, how to get in shape quicker, how to make running just feel better? How many times have you signed up for a race because you just need motivation to start again because life just keeps getting in the way and you need something to keep you on track? What if you had a program that planned it all for you? A program that integrated your running and your strength training for the best results. A program that taught you what to do to take care of those aches and pains once and for all. A program that taught you the mental strategies to take charge of your running and your life. A program that taught you how to make running feel better and fun again. That is what our Real Life Runners Training Academy is all about. It's designed to help you take charge and go from running in circles to running your life. 
Join our waitlist today and be the first to know when our doors are open. We hope to see you inside. Head to rlrtrainingacademy.com for more information.